Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Superficial. We are chiropractors and functional medicine practitioners at Synapse Center for Health and Healing, located in Egan, Minnesota. Information shared in this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please consult with a primary care provider before engaging in any new activity or protocol. With that in mind, let's dive into this episode. Hi, everyone. This is another session of Beyond the Superficial with the Ladies of Synapse. I'm Dr. Amber Janetsky, and I'm here with Dr. Natalie Schumacher. So we're going to get started here. Um, so why are we talking about iron deficiency? Um, for one, for me, it kind of hits home because I experienced this after having a C-section and losing a lot of blood. And my medical doctors um, were fine with my ferritin being about 13 because, um, you know, I wasn't going to die, but I didn't know better. So I was like, oh, it's fine and didn't take any iron, but I kept getting super fatigued. I'd come home after work just being exhausted, um, couldn't care for the kids. It was really difficult. Working out was a no-go. Um, going upstairs, I completely felt breathless. My hair was falling out. Um, and when I learned that my ferritin should actually be a lot higher than that um, and started supplementing, it was a huge game changer for me. So we're kind of talking about that just to kind of share the knowledge, see if it helps anybody out there. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're going to start with here. Um, so Dr. Nelly, can you tell me a little bit more about what iron is and kind of what the normal range is between um, and compare it kind of between medical traditional medicine lab ranges and functional medicine lab ranges. Yeah, for sure. Um, So just starting a little bit more about really what iron is, is it's an essential mineral. That means that we need to get it from our food intake um, that our body needs to create a molecule called heme. And what heme is, is it is the main part of a red blood cell that attaches to oxygen to help with oxygen delivery. So pretty much what that means is, you know, low iron, low oxygen delivery to the tissues, no iron, no oxygen delivery to the tissues. So, uh, like Dr. Amber said, there's obviously a pretty big difference between, you know, a conventional medicine doctor's range. So they're just trying to keep you out of like a disease range, right? So they are trying to keep you alive. So if your iron is, you know, in a little bit of a broader range, they're okay with that. Yes, there might be some symptoms around it, but it's not going to be uh, like life-threatening. Well, if we look at it from more of a functional medicine perspective, a lot of people are coming in with symptoms of low iron, but their medical doctor is saying, no, your your iron looks fine. Your iron, even your iron storage looks fine. But we look at that as, a, you know, a much slimmer range and really just seeing where that optimal health actually happens. So just to compare, if we were to send you out to a lab, a conventional medicine lab, and their range is going to be usually about 27 to 159 for iron. Um, If we look at that from an optimal perspective, we want that a lot slimmer. So we want your iron to be anywhere from like 85 to 130. So quite a bit slimmer, actually. And then we look at another marker called ferritin, which is our iron storage, which is kind of like our backup iron. So if you were to lose like a lot of iron and blood loss or something like that, you should be able to tap into some of your stores or your savings account. And they're okay with your savings account or your ferritin level being anywhere between, you know, 15 to 150 on average. Well, we know just, you know, just based off of um, 
overall function of the body. We want that to be closer to around like 100 to 150 and sometimes even closer to that like 150 range depending on, you know, what your symptoms are or what your symptoms are and the extent of those symptoms. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of point out too is that um, you can um, get too much iron mm-hmm. and we'll kind of talk about that later with maybe some of the supplements that we can take and eating it. Um, there's some people who have something called hemochromatosis where you actually have an iron storage disorder. And so it can go the opposite way too. So it is something that we want to monitor. When I work with patients and um, have them start an iron supplement, I usually say we're going to do this for three to six months and then retest just because I want to be safe on that. It can kind of clog up the liver um, and we don't want that. Yes. Um, so yeah. So what are some things, Dr. Nally, that can cause iron deficiency? Yeah. So when we're talking about any deficiency, we always want to start with intake, right? What does your diet look like? What does your nutrition look like? And a lot of times people think that they're getting iron because maybe they're, you know, eating a lot of leafy greens or they're eating a lot of beans. But um, what they don't understand is that there's two different forms of iron. So number one, addressing what form of iron you're getting and how much. So if you're getting a heme form, you are getting a readily usable form of iron. Your body can immediately absorb it and incorporate it into red blood cell production. Those um, That iron comes from things like, you know, oysters, mussels, organ meats, red beef, things like that, red meats and beef, things like that. Um, then there is the non-heme, which is still a form of iron. Your body just has to take it through a few more steps before it's readily usable, which you know, other other deficiencies can put a damper on that pathway. But those non-heme forms are what you're going to find in things like spinach and dark chocolate and beans and lentils and things like that. So number one is intake. So are you eating enough of those iron-rich foods? Number two is absorption. So if you are getting those nutrients in through your diet, but you're not actually able to, whether you're not able to break down the food, if you have low stomach acid, which can be caused by things like, you know, a zinc deficiency or maybe a little bit lower thyroid function, um, you're not going to be able to break down that food, which means that you're not going to be able to actually absorb that iron. Another thing that we want to talk about is um, the absorption portion. So the iron is usually absorbed in the first part of that small intestine. So, you know, any kind of small intestine inflammation, if you have something called SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, obviously absorption is going to be hindered from that perspective too. Um, So intakes first, absorption second, and then we talk a little bit more about loss. And the only thing I'm going to touch on about loss before I hand it over to Dr. Amber um, is something called lactoferrin. And, uh, you know, lactoferrin is an inflammatory marker um, that is released in your intestinal tract if you have any kind of inflammation from food sensitivity or stress or infections or anything like that. But what that does is it actually is an iron binding molecule. So when you lose it in your intestine, in your intestinal tract as a like byproduct of inflammation, that's just one like minor acute loss of iron that can add up over time. Uh, but Dr. Amber has a bunch more on the loss portion. So why don't you take it from there? Yeah. So iron is really only lost through bleeding. We lose a little bit of it through our skin when we shed skin cells, but that's very minimal. So that's why women are more um, likely to become iron deficient because we we cycle and we bleed each month. 
Um, this also becomes more of an issue of when we get closer to perimenopause and menopausal stages because oftentimes we bleed more. We bleed for longer times. And so that is a real risk of is becoming iron deficient. So if you if this is happening and you're noticing like some anemia type symptoms that we talked about in the beginning, it's a really good idea to get it checked. Um, another thing to make sure is that you're not having like an intestinal bleed um, that can sometimes cause a reason for loss as well. Um, and this is going to kind of segue also into how hormones can affect iron absorption. So our bodies are designed to really keep iron in check because it's an important thing that we need. And so if we're bleeding, we usually have a good amount of estrogen going through our body because we're cycling. And so estrogen actually decreases something called hepcidin. Hepcidin if it's increased or at a high number level, you actually don't absorb iron. And so estrogen will actually decrease this um, um, hepcidin, and so you can actually absorb iron better. But what happens as we enter menopause stages is our estrogen levels drop, and then that can prevent good iron absorption. <clears throat> Um, the opposite is true. A progesterone um, is one thing that actually can increase hepcidin. And so, again, as, you, as you're cycling, um, progesterone can actually prevent um, iron absorption. That's another thing. Inflammation in general can also, inflammation or infection can actually affect in, um, absorption in the intestinal system as well. And so that's another thing that we really try and um, target if we're seeing that difference. Um, one thing that we'll notice, so like a high ferritin, for example, is something that we're going for, but if ferritin starts to get too high, some things that can cause that is um, cancer, infection, inflammation. Um, those are things that we would want to rule out if there is a high ferritin level. Um, Something that we can check on labs to kind of decide that is the transferrin number. Um, that's another marker that we look at. Um, so, for example, if iron and ferritin, um, or if iron is low but ferritin is really high, um, if transferrin is low, all right, so what else can cause um, a low? Um, iron ferritin level is blood loss. And so heavy menstruation or just cycling um, each month can cause it. And that's a big reason why women are more susceptible to having low iron and low ferritin levels is because of that. Um, another thing to think about is intestinal bleeding. That can sometimes be a cause. The only other way we really lose iron at all is through shedding of our skin. And so that's not a big issue at all. It's more of just the heavy bleeding. And this becomes more of an issue as we enter closer to menopause because oftentimes women will start bleeding longer and heavier. And so you have that bigger blood loss and iron loss. Um, and so if you're starting to have symptoms um, of anemia when you're having these heavier periods and longer periods, it's a good time to come and get tested. Um, and so uh, there's a big connection between estrogen and um, estrogen and iron absorption as well. I'll just mention it briefly. Generally, when we're cycling, we have a good amount of estrogen levels and that estrogen actually increases iron absorption. 
because that makes sense. If you're going to bleed, your body gets you ready for needing iron, so it absorbs iron better. Well, as we get closer to menopause again, our estrogen levels start to drop oftentimes or usually, and um, we are not absorbing that iron. And that kind of leads into another conversation of gut dysbiosis that can happen with that. And so when iron doesn't get absorbed, it hangs out in your intestinal system. Well, little microbes, um, your microbiome, the bad bugs will use that iron to thrive. And so that's when some gut dysbiosis mm -hmm. and some constipation might happen. Um, and so that can come along with it. Um, so next we're going to kind of talk about kind of leading into what are some common things that we can do to help increase iron absorption? Yeah. Um, Dr. Nelly, do you have anything to comment on that? Yeah. Obviously, nutrition is first. So uh, that's where we'll always start, right? Uh, but a few things is we will reach for some supplementation depending on levels and, you know, depending on dietary restrictions or, you know, absorption quality too. Because if, you know, we're working on the stomach acid production and we're working on all those other pieces and we just need a little bit of extra support, we will reach for an iron supplement. The biggest complaint I would say that we get when we do use iron supplementation is constipation. So like you said, those microbes tend to feed off of that iron cause um, a little bit of a decrease in our intestinal movement, and we get a lot of symptoms around that. Well, a lot of that does come from the form of iron, which is mm -hmm. what we talked about earlier, yep. the form of iron um, that is in those supplements. So a lot of times if I have people who are in that anemic or borderline anemic state, and we do need to really use some supplementation in order to uh, get their symptoms under control while we're working on the root cause, obviously, um, I'll actually grab for a liver supplementation. So like actual liver organ capsules. They do contain the right amount of iron. They do contain the right kind of iron too, so your body can utilize it really well, easily absorbed, um, tolerated by most people besides the taste, but it's better than doing liver itself. Um, but that's usually my go-to. Yeah, well, yeah, I usually go for the bisglycinate um, form of iron that's mm -hmm. a little less constipating. Um, so if you're looking for actual iron, that's the form to look for. Um, I kind of joke with my patients, too. So um, liver and kale supposedly have all the nutrients that you need. But I'm guessing yes. now, Dr. Nelly kind of commented, and I'm not sure, but maybe you know, Dr. Nelly, that maybe the, the kale doesn't have the right form of iron. Yes. <clears throat> so might have to do the liver. Um, but I joke and say you can either pick liver or kale to get all your nutrients. Um, but, yeah, for the for this purpose, the liver capsules have been been helpful for a lot of mm -hmm. patients. <clears throat> so that would be some good good options there. Yeah. Another thing to do, too, is... Um, you do absorb your iron better in the morning because of that hepcidin level. Um, so taking it in the morning, vitamin C status really matters. So taking it with a vitamin C can help increase absorption. I will um, add one thing onto that. Make yeah. sure it is a whole food vitamin C supplement. So just normal over-the-counter ascorbic acid is not going to do the same thing. Make sure you either get an actual vitamin C source, eat an orange with your capsule, mm. or mm. like orange juice, really good, high-quality orange juice, or a whole food supplement. Yeah, yep. And that's why oftentimes they'll say take it with a meal too because of the mm -hmm. other nutrients that just help absorb it. Yep. Um, so those are some good some good tips. Yeah. Um, so before we do like a clinical takeaway, Dr. Nelly, do you have anything else to comment on with iron? Um, 
I mean, the thing with iron deficiency is it shows up as an, such a wide array of symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. So the most common ones, obviously, are, you know, fatigue and lack of muscle recovery and hair loss and things like that. But I think one thing that a lot of people miss is insomnia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing how significant people's sleep quality and just their getting tired at night and helping them fall asleep is turned around by just replacing their iron and just replenishing what that body is asking for in order for that normal process to take place. Great. Yeah. And and also it is associated with dopamine levels. Mm-hmm. It might affect focus. Um, also, Restless leg sy- syndrome That's a um, one. is often really helped with iron. If it, mm-hmm. it's low, that can help take it away too. Yeah. So Clinical problem there actually mm-hmm. is restless leg. Technically, if you have restless leg that's not going away with iron supplementation, your goal is to get your ferritin, which is your iron storage, mm-hmm. not even your circulating iron up to at least 130, which sounds very high. Um, but just re- research is showing that it does take an elevated amount Awesome. Yeah. Um, So I guess the clinical takeaway is this, that if you are feeling symptoms of fatigue, um, any of those other things we just talked about, restless legs, problems focusing, breathlessness going upstairs, your hair is falling out, um, gut dysbiosis, insomnia, those are some reasons to come and get your iron and ferritin um, levels checked. Um, And you really want to shoot for a ferritin at least above 50, Mm -hmm. but really um, closer to that 100 to 150 range. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got some blood taken from your medical providers, you know, take a look at that yourself and see if you're in that range because they're not going to give the same recommendations. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that concludes today's episode of Beyond the Superficial. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Bye. That concludes today's episode of Beyond the Superficial. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for more episodes. For more information, please visit our website, www.officialsynapse.com. Your partners in healthy living for optimal life. We would love to hear from you on how our podcast might be impacting your life. We also want to hear what interests you. Please leave your feedback on our media page at www.officialsynapse.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.